Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by First Watch. We'll tell you a little bit more about their delicious breakfasts in a bit. We are going to talk basketball recruiting, basketball net rankings. It's okay if you don't know what that is. And a little bit more bowl projection. But we're going to start out with basketball recruiting because late uh, Sunday evening, we're recording this on Monday. It is Cyber Monday, Kyle, as we're recording. And when, when I stepped outside today from my house, I thought... Maybe it should be renamed Cy Burr Monday. Because, because it's, it's, it's freezing. <laughs> the temperature plummeted on us. Um, but Matthew Hurt is taking an official visit to Kentucky this week and seems to be having some positive vibes around UK with his recruitment. Yeah, not not so cold on the uh, recruiting front for Kentucky. He's listed as his interest is, is listed as warm for Ooh. Kentucky on the 247. Uh, website. He is the number seven player in the country in the 247 sports composite. He's a 6'9", 215-pound power forward from Rochester, Minnesota. The crystal ball, as it were, has Kansas at 83% right now, and there's been a bunch of buzz about Kansas for him. Minnesota's in the mix as well. Carolina, all, as you expect, all those type of schools have offered. But I think it's pretty significant that Kentucky's getting his first official visit and, you know, one thing that when all your targets start going elsewhere does as a benefit is it allows you to hone your focus. Yeah. And John Calipari can zero in on Matthew Hurt as the big guy in this class. And, you know, to an, a certain extent, Jaden McDaniels, who, again, he's he's 6'10", he's big, but he's not a big man. He's not a post player. He's going to play on the wing. But those two guys are really going to be the focus, I think, uh, for the next few months in this uh, late signing period. So, And probably making triple sure that they keep Khalil Whitney in the fold. I don't think there's any reason to believe he's not ultimately going to sign with Kentucky, but the fact that he waited is, you know. Well, I think if you just look at it. He's given a reason for it. He wants to go back home and sign with around friends and family in Chicago and, and all that, and has said he's still committed. But yeah, and that's when he doesn't sign, you've you you, got to keep keep on him, I think. And, and I, I wasn't all the way locked in when with his recruitment, but that is the thing to keep in mind. He is playing away at a prep school in New Jersey, originally from Chicago. If it had the James Wiseman effect, I thought Illinois was a, was a, a big player for him as well. If he was playing at home in Chicago, right. and, and you know, there was stay right. home, stay home, if that, that would make more of a concern. But in my estimation, and I think I've said this before, I never understand why kids ever sign early. Right. Just let things shake out. I guess, I guess in most instances, if a coach is let go, fired, moves on, you get out of your right. commitment for the most part. And if you don't, I guess, who, who was it, Kevin Stallings? Big jerk face is one of the only ones that come to mind that doesn't allow right. kids to do that. He get, he'll ultimately get shamed into it. Yeah, it? yeah, and then you just look like an idiot if you don't allow the kid to do that. So it, it's I don't think it's a huge deal either way. But you know, to that point, Calipari is still out, kind of recruiting the guys that he has even signed. He went and saw Tyrese Maxey in Texas this week. He was recruiting some juniors as well, which is something I think a lot of Kentucky fans like to hear that he's maybe yeah. getting ahead of the game a little bit and. To the point about Tyrese Maxey, real quick, he quote tweeted a tweet about Matthew Hurt visiting Kentucky, and he said, 
this is what I like to hear had Matthew Hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be an important piece for them. He's they were be... teammates on the USA team, so yeah. they're familiar with each other, and all the elite guys know each other pretty right. well. The The one caveat is obviously Maxey played on the Nike. Uh, Hurt is an Adidas kid, so they don't have as much interaction, but the USA camp, they allowed, that allowed them to kind of – I don't know if they're friends necessarily, but they interacted a ton. They know each other. They know how each other play. That they've played together some. But yeah, I, this is big. This is a guy they need to go get. Frankly, um, I think would maybe ease some of the panic, or even not panic for some people, just concern. I mean, you know, he wouldn't fill that top top five player void, but the number seven player, you know, yeah. I, I think you can. I think you can live with that. If that if that's uh, slumming it for you, you're doing pretty well. And, you know, they've got, I think, in the composite, if they got Matthew Hurt, they would have the number seven, then number eight, and number ten players. Hurt is seventh, Whitney is eighth, and Maxie is tenth. And they're still in the mix, as we said, with Jade McDaniels, who's number five. Um, it's crazy. We're talking about, you know, what needs to improve and and how well, Calipari's slipping a little bit. He could end up, you know, it's not crazy to think he could end up with the number five, seven, eight, and ten player in the country. Well, in all honesty, if you wanted to take issue with Calipari's recruiting throughout almost his entire tenure, with the exception of the thirty-eight and one team and the title team, you could kind of complain that uh, roster construction had been an issue, and obviously it is because when you're trying to fit every piece together, you're not going to be able to get a big man, and that would be the complaint if if both McDaniel and Hurt sign up for Kentucky, they wouldn't have a they big still man. Still wouldn't have a true yeah, big man. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be a perfect roster. And that's that's kind of a, it, something that I think is a legitimate complaint. But with the way Calipari has things structured right now, it's almost the stars have to align perfectly, like yes. they did in 2012 or like they did with guys coming back when they went to the Final Four undefeated. Yeah. And that's, that's like kind of the incredible thing about what he's done so far is he's basically walking a tightrope every year. And I remember early on when I started covering the team and, and before the 11-12 season, the championship season, I was thinking, and I think maybe like the next, I think it may have been right after that season that I started thinking like, surely there's going to come a time where this doesn't work right. And it ended up not working that next year, but that was in part because of uh, Noel getting injured. That that roster was kind of a mess anyway. But it, it, that was maybe the first sign of how how narrow – a margin for error he he has because it was like okay he he was sure that Marcus Teague was coming back yeah and Ryan Harrow was a backup plan you know would have been a fine backup and not not forced to be in the spotlight I think Ryan Harrow might have worked out okay but when that didn't happen it was like the whole thing fell apart and yeah. then when 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 Noel got hurt it was over mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the issues I, I he's really danced that dance very very well for almost a decade now well, but but you got to think at some point when you're trying to get the best player in the country or the second best player in the country at every position you're not always going to get him and he's getting some a, a few less than he used to and that leaves you going okay now what now now how do we scramble together and again this may just by by uh accident force a change that I think could be a positive change which is make Calipari play a different way, approach mm-hmm. the game a different way. You don't have a true big, so you can't play traditionally. You've got to 
you know, mo- modernize is a word I've been using a little bit. Yeah, and uh, um, Kevin Ferris actually had a tweet in, and he was curious, what do you mean by modernize exactly? More threes, more pace, space. Is that something you could do now, or does a roster need to fit that idea? Well, it's a lot, a lot basically all that. Yes. You know, the way the NBA plays is uh, they're not a lot of traditional big men. They're playing a lot of four out and even five out, having your having your your five man be a guy who can handle it, pass it, and shoot it. The the Draymond Green of you know approach. Um, you know you've seen teams do that to Kentucky, and it's the you know lesser teams do that to Kentucky. It's it, it, you know I, in college ball a lot of a lot of the times it's more of a way to um, neutralize a, ca- a talent gap, but you know you'll see a lesser team try to do that and you yeah. know pop out their 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 big man who's well, not I mean, necessarily a traditional big man who can shoot threes. K- K- Kentucky and, fans are kind of were at the forefront of that with Rick Pitino, right, and his Bombinos and those kind of deals yeah. where that, that's you know you're you have inferior talent so you're trying to get an advantage any way you can and that well yeah that I is mean Patino like for all people hate him I mean Patino was way ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Way, way ahead of the game, and Cal has always been ahead of the game, but he's fallen a little bit behind in that area, I think. And I, um, you know, to the to that point, though, I think as we were talking about roster construction, I think he was playing the cards he was dealt a certain extent. So it's a, it's almost a chicken and egg kind of conversation. Yeah. Well, some was of he not was, I, was he not modernizing his offense because he was trying to get to all these big men that he had on the roster yeah. the last couple of years, or was he? <laughs> I think some of it is he he's his approach was to get the best, yeah. biggest, longest athletes and out outsize and length you and that's that's great if you have freaks if you have the guys at the very top that are just total freaks and nobody can handle that's great but the way the game has gone in the especially in the last five years is teams rely on the three-point shot they structure their teams accordingly i mean just look at the way the nba sorts itself now through the 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 draft process and their roster construction they they put a premium on guys who can shoot at every position. And, you know, if you go back through and look, and I have, Kentucky's, you know, relied very little on the three, and that's even almost been like a pride point for Cal, talking about it openly. Like, we don't we don't need to make a bunch of threes. We don't rely on making a bunch of threes. But, you know, Villanova, who's won two of the last three titles, that's where they've made their living. By by playing four and five out and, and having a five man who can shoot it by getting forty some percent of their total points from three pointers, Kentucky's around like twenty two to twenty four percent down in the three hundreds in the national rankings in the percentage of points they get from three point shots. You know, and that's been a that's been a an issue we've talked about for a few years now. Not enough shooting, and we thought this team would have more shooting, and it hasn't really shown yet. I think this team does have shooters. But you've got you've to optimize them in the way you play them, too. You've got to space the floor. You've got to run an offense that creates open looks, good looks for those shooters. Um, you've got to, to have a willingness to let them fly. I mean, they've, they've kept three-point attempts down uh, intentionally over the years, and I, I think maybe that approach needs to change. Obviously, we'll be talking about this you know, going forward through this season and the recruiting cycle. Coming up next, we are going to talk a little bit football, bowl projections. Some, I believe, are way off base. Then we're going to give a little bit more love to Terry Wilson, and we'll wrap with some net talk. But first, I want to tell you guys about First Watch. It was recently voted Lexington's best breakfast. And Kyle, I know that you love to take your family to that spot. I do. They always have great service. The uh, 
the Hamburg location. They always take good care of the babies, put us in a spot away from people if possible <laughs> in case they start throwing things. They're always very patient with us. They've just been – every time we've had a, a, a waitress there, she's been very sweet to my kids, and I put a premium on that. Uh, and also, you know, number one on the list is the food is awesome. Yeah. My wife loves the bacon. I think it's called the million-dollar bacon. Is it that is. right? It's basically candy, and it's awesome. And uh, this time of year, they always have pumpkin-flavored everything. And you were a uh, sucker for that. Yes, the uh, I'm, I'm, I'm basic, as the, as the kids say. <laughs> uh, pumpkin pancakes, pumpkin French toast, all kinds of stuff like that. They, they just, their, their food is awesome. Yeah. Uh, my wife takes all her clients there. They go on, she has a lot of uh, work, breakfast, and lunch, and, uh, and it's a, good. As you mentioned, First Watch is just a breakfast and lunch spot. They're open from 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. every day, and they get busy. But they have a new First Watch mobile app, which you can use to check in on wait times and get in line before you even get there. It is so easy. They've got three Lexington restaurants, all which have locally owned, and a few up in Cincinnati and one over, one or two over in Louisville as well. So if you're in those areas, go check them out. First Watch. Yeah, it's fresh. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, uh, a little more football talk, and mainly I just wanted to something that is sweeping the internet, message boards, Twitter, Facebook. Sports Illustrated, which is a big name, obviously, in sports coverage, came out with their bowl projections, and they say Kentucky is going to be facing off against Boston College in the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. <laughs> I don't think that's... I don't think that's right. It is not. I have some I, good friends over at Sports Illustrated, but I... That's what like, I, I... But, this, but mm-hmm. this is off. This is definitely off. Just... As a Kentucky fan, I would just or I would advise you to disregard that. I don't believe that's going to happen. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of the point I want to drive home. When you read a lot of these national projections, to be honest, they're more focused on the top of it, and then once they get down a little bit, they're kind of just plugging stuff in. And I don't even know. Let's see whose name is on this. Eric Single. No offense to Eric Single, but I've never heard no, of Eric no, Single. Eric. No, I don't. Um, obviously, he has a, a good amount of success if he's employed by Sports Illustrated, but. Yeah, so when this isn't a $2 horn, there are many other outlets that are local that you should listen to before you should listen to Sports Illustrated when it comes to Kentucky's bowl projections because... Well, John Hale at the Courier-Journal has been all over that. And he's actually talked to the Citrus Bowl (laughs) representative. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I think think both from him and then also if you read other more, what, what would appear to be more informed bowl projections, it seems... Like almost a lock at this point. Yes. They're in the Citrus Bowl, and it's probably either Penn State or Northwestern. I mean, I, that seems to be really the the only options that are on the table. Not only options, but I think the most likely scenario on the table for Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky, Penn State, and the Citrus Bowl is your best bet. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I completely agree. And as I put out in the tweet for the podcast before this one, when we recapped the Louisville win, and if you haven't, go check that one out, you know, Mickey Mouse better watch out because the cats are coming to Orlando. Get it? Because he's a mouse. Uh, (laughs) Real quick, I did also want to just give a little bit more love to Terry Wilson uh, because I was going through his numbers, and something that really jumped out to me was the fact that his completion percentage were really impressive this season overall. Eight of the 12 games, he was over 65%, and 10 of the 12, he was over 60%. He had a couple, you know, really bad games, Tennessee specifically. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, he was pretty consistent and a pretty accurate passer, which going into the season was the biggest knock against him. And it kind of is interesting to see how that was turned on its head. I randomly bumped into a 
Kentucky football staff member at Kroger uh, yesterday, and he was saying Terry's been throwing the ball great all season in practice, like dropping dimes, some of those deep balls that he hit in the Louisville game. It was a matter of a few things, confidence being one at one point, what he was being asked to do, young wide receivers. I mean, you had to have guys emerge that are going to, one, get open, and two, catch the ball. Yep. Um, this is not a, all a Terry Wilson thing, and and his confidence is not um, in a vacuum of himself. It's not I not just am I confident in myself. It is am I confident I'm going to have time to throw because they at times even though the offensive line has been a strength, they've they've had some issues up front as well. They've had some injuries. There were games where he didn't get much time at all. And and you know and do I have confidence that guys are going to catch the ball? And some of those young receivers started to make strides toward the end of the year. Lynn Bowden, their best threat in the passing game, is a guy who had to learn how to play the position. I mean, and he's in year two of learning how to play the position. Also, Terry Wilson had two drops in the Louisville game that were great balls. I mean, Lynn Bowden, as good as he played, dropped one. Mm-hmm. I think Epps dropped one. Um, I mean, he could have had a 350-some passing Bou- yard day. Bouvier dropped one, too. Yeah, I, I, so... It's not just a Terry Wilson thing, but it, all all of that to say, this staff member was very high on Terry Wilson's arm and passing ability, and yeah. I think as that as as is, as the pieces around him progress and they add some new pieces, I I would expect him to really take a a leap in his second year as Kentucky's quarterback. And let's just say again, Mark Stoops, Eddie Grand, the staff made the right decision on who was the quarterback and also to stick with their quarterback through, I think, quite a bit of clamoring for the other guy. Yeah, there was a bunch of it. And also, finally, on Terry Wilson, we forgot to mention in the Louisville breakdown that he was the MVP of the game. It is called the Howard Schnellenberger Award, and they have one of the coolest trophies, in my opinion, that you get. It's a Louisville Slugger bat, (laughs) which is just awesome. Yeah, those are are really cool. And... uh, I mentioned to you when you were telling me that before we got started, I have something in my possession that I'm probably going to, like, as I think about it, I'm probably going to auction off for charity or something at some point. And you can tweet at me, if at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH, if, uh, if you want to start the bidding. <laughs> uh, but Louisville Slugger sent me this blue painted uh, slugger bat with the final score of the national championship game. I think it actually might have all the scores of the NCAA tournament. Um, for Kentucky, engraved on it in the twenty for the 2012 championship team, um, and it just like showed up at my house one day. I, I wasn't even sure what I was supposed to do with it, so uh, I stuck it <laughs> in a closet. <laughs> I have it in my office now. I also have a bat from that tournament. I think it was that tournament because didn't it, did they start in Louisville as a host site? That seems right. Well, I think that was like the first year of the playing games or early on, and they had engraved because in Louisville uh, they gave. With the the first round sites in Louisville, they gave I think every team that was there a bat, you know, engraved with their coach's name and the and the team name, and they had made one for one of the teams in the playing games that didn't in, end up getting there, and so they had a random bat. I think it might have just been laying around, discarded or something. I don't remember exactly how it came into my possession. I don't think I stole it, but uh, I think it's like Cornell or somebody. I can't remember even who it is now, but uh, I got a couple weird NCAA tournament. Louisville Slugger bats, but the title, the national championship bat, is really cool. And if uh, if you were a Kentucky fan, I would imagine it would be a prized possession. So I think now I'm thinking out loud here. I think I'm going to maybe find a way to 
raise some money for a charity of some kind for that. Because I would think, let me know, tweet at me. Let me know what would a bat like that be worth to you. It's a blue Louisville Slugger, and I think it has all the all the six tournament scores. I know it definitely has the national championship score and like national champions uh, engraved on it. Coming up next, speaking of the NCAA tournament, we're going to discuss a factor in to those Selection Sunday processes. But first, I want to tell you guys about Sling TV. You don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. I was watching on my Sling TV app the other day uh, some basketball action that was going on on Sunday while I had the NFL on my big screen. Are you sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch when you just want to watch your team win? Sling TV is the best way to watch college football, college basketball, and a bunch of other sports. 30 bucks a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. Stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a 7-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's sling.com slash locked on. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Everybody's wondering, what the heck is the net, Kyle? Right now, it's trash. It um, is not very good indication of quality teams. Yeah. So, the NCAA did a smart thing, and the coaches, there were a lot of coaches. I think Cal Perry may have been involved in the discussion of this on the committee that decided this. It was time to get rid of the RPI. I think everybody agreed with that. The NCAA selection committee was used, still using the RPIs for, I don't know, 50 years, whatever it was, the ratings percentage index. Which could be, you know, coaches and athletic directors figured out could be easily gamed. You could schedule a certain way and sort of game that system. It was uh, overly simple. They wanted to replace that with something that was more modern, and it was time. And to me, they should have just said, we're going to use Ken Palm's rankings, you know, or something like that. Because they wanted to to take something and use, you know, efficiencies, some more advanced metrics, something that was a little more difficult to game in your scheduling, uh, that was a truer analytical-type rating system for um, the top teams in, in the country. And not as a be-all, end-all, not as, uh, okay, after our automatic selections, the 32 highest-ranked teams left in this system we're going to put in the tournament, but as just a measuring well, stick. And, as you and, mentioned, it is the new RPI. So when they go through the quadrant wins and those kind of deals, right. this is... The, the formula that they will be using. And I'll retweet it from the show account because the NCAA put out what goes into it, and they have it in ranked in descending order. Number one, they have a team value index, which is game results, and then they also factor in, factor in opponent, location, and, of course, who won. Then number two is net efficiency, as you kind of laid out, the offensive and defensive net efficiencies. And then winning percentage, adjusted winning percentage, and finally scoring margin. And when this was initially... It's capped at 10 points. Yeah, that's the big key because everybody freaked out for a minute when they first saw... up the score. And also of note, overtime games are just one point. You get a one-point win if you win the overtime game, which is, I think, a actually really smart yeah. indicator of a game. Uh, but we've, you know, we've said a lot of words, and we still haven't mentioned where Kentucky well, came in. <laughs> well, let's first say Ohio State is number one yeah, in this. <laughs> Kentucky is number 61. In this now, uh, 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 there was a mistake made. I think. I think the NCAA wanted to get people talking about these rankings. Go ahead and get them out there. 
but they should have waited. They should have waited probably another month. There needs to be more data to to inform these. Um, you know, more good teams playing good teams. I mean, these things aren't. They're just not even close to reality right now. And and I I assume they'll normalize. They'll they'll uh, sort themselves out as there's more data input. Um, and more team, as I say, as more of these teams play each other. But Ohio State is the number one team. Kentucky is the number 61 team. Doesn't add up. Uh, Gonzaga and Duke are 1-2 in the AP poll with human eyeballs. I think we could all agree those are probably, Wait. you know, let, let's see. The well, top, they, it's, it's Gonzaga. Uh, actually, it's Gonzaga, Kansas, Duke in the AP poll. Yeah. And in the net ranking right now, uh, Gonzaga is fifth, Duke is sixth, and where is Kansas? Kansas is 11th. 11th. Uh, we would all agree that Auburn and Tennessee are top five, top ten teams, right? Well, the net says Auburn's 16th and Tennessee is 27th. Um, there's just some some bizarre things. The top ten of the net is Ohio State, Virginia, Texas Tech, Michigan, Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, and Loyola, Marymount. Uh, all ahead of Kansas with Belmont just behind Kansas. So this thing is a mess. Uh, Kentucky's it's, it's, had some problems, but they're not the 61st that's not team the, in the country. And it's, it's not surprising because as you laid out, this is so early. And yeah. I'll, we'll also read the teams around around Kentucky. I'll go 58 to 64. 58 is Washington. 59 is Florida Atlantic. Coming right ahead of Kentucky is... Liberty. <laughs> Kentucky 61. St. Louis... Uh, Travis Ford's Billikens are right behind the Cats on their trails. And then Miami is 63rd. Uh, Fresno State, 64th. Yeah, it's 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 crazy what it is. And I think uh, by the end of the year, it'll probably be a much better ranking system, rating system than the RPI was. But right now, with so few data points, it's it's not good. I don't know. It just blows my mind. It's... The NCAA, so dumb decisions shouldn't be that surprising. But as you mentioned, this is a good idea. And then they took a good idea, and now they're going to ruin it because everybody's freaking out about it because they didn't, weren't, you know, weren't locked into college basketball summer announcements. Hey, we have a new rating system. Sometimes people, people have lives. Maybe they're on vacations. Maybe they're doing something. Yeah, I'm not sure that, I'm not, I'm not sure that a lot of people knew this was even coming or like really like paid attention that, oh, the net is replacing. What is the net? You know, and so the first time people are answering the question, "What is the net?" is to go look at it and make why and, is and Lo- mock it. You yeah, know? why is Loyola Marymount in the top ten? Not Loyola Chicago, not the team no. that went to the Final Four. To be clear, Loyola Marymount. So not one step forward, two steps back for the NCAA per usual in a lot of instances. So we'll be talking about this and following it throughout the season. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Kyle already gave out his handle. Tweet him about some charities. You can tweet us at LockedOnUK like Kevin did when we answered his question. I think we're going to do with that. We might not be doing like official mailbags. So if you just have questions, just shoot us a tweet and we'll attempt to answer all the ones we can. Also, I'm going to kind of challenge you guys to give us some more ratings. We got a couple, a new one, a new one or two, and we're going to start reading some ratings now that we don't have to talk about a football game every week, and we have just a hair more free time on things. So please give us a rating and review. Those really help how the show comes up on people's podcast feed so to get more people to listen. And then the most important thing you can do is share the podcast with someone else who would enjoy it. Uh, 
Thanks again to First Watch for sponsoring this edition of Locked On Kentucky. We will talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Hello. Testing, testing. All right. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. 